0: Welcome to the Holistic Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle. Each week, I will be speaking with thought leaders and entrepreneurs that think outside the box. This is a space to empower, inspire, and motivate you on your own journey. Hello, on today's podcast, I am interviewing Sarah Rue, who is a village witch, or known as a village witch, on social media but she's also a herbalist and um, works with permaculture as well. So welcome, Sarah.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So just to begin, to give people a bit of background about your work and what you're doing, can you start by telling us how your story began, how you got into the work that you're doing?
1: (laughs) Thank you.
0: Um, well, yes. So I've been
1: practicing herbalism for 23 years and permaculture for the last um, 14. And a lot of it began mostly due, especially with herbalism, mostly due to my own personal health and wellness journey, um, specifically just feeling quite dissatisfied and failed by healthcare systems. Uh, that really, you know, health healthcare workers are, are lovely people, but the system created isn't one that's really there to foster uh, wellness and well-being and optimal health. And so my interest in herbalism came through that with really trying to find my own way to nourish myself and take care of myself and also empower myself um, to to, you know, heal and bring into balance you know what was happening for me Um and then with permaculture in particular it was right around the same time when I became very interested in just the environmental movement and very aware of I mean I was always kind of aware but I think very aware of just the environmental injustice that's happening Like went to Costa Rica when I was 19 years old to study tropical ecology. And what really became apparent was just how devastating our food system is. And I grew up in New York state, which is pretty much filled with cornfields and soy fields and, you know, genetically modified everything um, and a lot of crop dusting and heavy agricultural chemical inputs. So that was pretty apparent to me as as a young person that that was happening, but I didn't realize how wrong it was until, you know, I was a late teenager, early, early into my twenties. And so that really took me down the path of uh, informing myself about the state of our food system, the state of our medical care. Um, and then through that, you start to in- investigate and experience a lot of different things from, you know, finding new groups of people who are working, studying, living, you know, in, in these ways that I was curious about to, um, working in the organic food industry and, you know, educating people about the necessity for, you know, low impact food specifically with like agro agricultural inputs. Um, and then, and also with body care and supplementation and, all of that, and then eventually moving into consumer education, specifically around uh, social injustice in food and farmers' rights and those types of things. And so that then led me back to Costa Rica in 2009, um, where I started living on an off-the-grid permaculture farm and education center. And so that was a time when I was very much uh, immersed into just you know everything that at least tropical permaculture could look like. Um, as well as living in community and getting to actually practice herbalism in a way that I didn't have uh, an opportunity for when I was living in the U.S. because in the early 2000s it was still pretty fringe now it's quite popular which I'm very happy about Um, but it was still pretty fringe and it was hard you know to develop uh, a client base it was hard to to work just because of you know it was it was kind of seen as a, a little too out there, and, and people didn't trust so much yet. You know, now of course we're, we're so lucky in many ways as herbalists, and that it's it's very popular, and there's more herb schools than ever, and people practicing a lot of varying kinds of <laughs> information out there for people to ascertain, which is really great. And I, I feel so happy that I stuck to that that path because mm-hmm. herbalism proven for me and permaculture has proven for me over and over again just the the relevance of it in the current world situation Mm -hmm. and specifically you know learning how to work with the land learning how to filter water learning how to grow food learning how to you know work with the medicines in your yard to also learning how to just be humans in relationship with other humans in a way that's you know fair in a way that's just and, and peaceful and you know small steps but it, it does give me a lot of um hope for humanity when it's really hard to have hope sometimes yeah looking at the current situation so, mm.
0: yeah i find it really interesting as well that you that you came from the city and that must have been quite hard um because obviously you need the land to be able to really practice herbalism and permaculture so was that something that inspired you as well to have like the actual physical space to grow food and crops? Yeah. It's a good, good
1: question. question. Um, you know, I, I grew up in um actually upstate New York. So in New York state is a few big cities. I'm from a big city called Rochester, which is surrounded by very rural spaces. So I grew up actually like kind of on the edge of the suburbs um and then i lived in philadelphia for university which is another major city in the us and it was actually interesting to be learning herbalism at that point and to be um beginning practices and in studies because you know so much of the plant life in our urban um, spaces is very much coming coming from a place of uh you know, a struggle. It's like the plants are pushing through sidewalks and, and they're really adaptive, you know. And so it was interesting, like learning what was coming through sidewalks and growing in urban gardens and even into, you know, the the local inner city parks and stuff like that. But it was definitely not getting the opportunity to live with the natural world. And you know, and, and for me with practicing with human beings, it's like there's there's very much like the kind of it can still be holistic medicine but you know when you're just working with teas and tinctures and supplements and store-bought food all the time it's quite different from working and living with living plants and living mm-hmm. people and going out to harvest and wildcraft and you know growing and those types of things so yeah i mean for for me it was a major advancement in practice was to get to live with the ecosystem and I think it is part of the limitation of urban dwelling in when we want to work with plants. Even though there are so many projects now that are in every city, you see them—you know, urban gardens and community gardens, and um, people practicing permaculture in in the city, which is really beautiful and really inspiring, and I think so necessary for that that deep connection that so many humans need to come back to other living creatures, you know, and, and realize their humanity through those relationships.
0: Mm. And I think it's really fascinating as well when you're working with the land and you have that space to grow, um you see all aspects of it. You don't just see the finished finished project. You you like you're saying you see like it from the seed to the growth of the plant and then the harvest of it. So yeah that's so interesting and from some of your projects um is this something that's really come through for you as well like maybe working with like permaculture and
1: yeah you know what i see so often is there's we have this like really deep sense of urgency you know because it's just our everything's kind of collapsing right now um from the climate to our economies, to political systems and borders and all of that. And so um, for me, you know, like the metaphor even of like seed and to sprout, it's like we're very much in a transitional phase, you know, of going into the compost system of lifestyles that aren't working anymore. And so we, we will be reseeding, and that's what we're doing right now, you know, even by having mm-hmm. this conversation we're we're planting new seeds and you know moving with the plants in their rhythm is it's very um it's reassuring and also a little like it can be a little uh, frustrating sometimes too you know because you probably see images of these beautiful lush places you know they're like pumping food and the gardens look so beautiful and you know the story isn't told is like how hard it is to work with the land you know and that like our, our lands are pretty damaged and water is not as available as it always was um or how it used to be in, in different situations and so you know like when we're starting to plant like we're for example here at our land that we're we're caring for in italy we have um a hectare, which is like two acres and here you know it's the lands are pretty um They're pretty devastated in this country and in many countries, you know, a lot of monocrops. And while the Italian farming is um, quite natural, they don't use a lot of, you know, agricultural inputs like pesticides or fungicides or anything like that. You know, it's like the soils are very compacted. They're very clay. And so you're doing a lot in just the first years of trying to bring soil back. And so, yeah, we can we have some good harvests, you know, like potatoes and tomatoes and our fruit trees are still really little and so it's like every season you're just kind of looking at your fruit trees like (laughs) you know waiting for them to get big and and it's just a reminder of you know that nature is slow and adaptation is also slow and it's really hard for the human mind which is set in urgency you know Um, so so that's like the big thing and then I also I have land i live on land in costa rica and work in a project there and live at a project there called tacotal and uh and there were a community and we're 25 people and caring for a piece of land that's 30 hectares so like a little over 70 acres and um or 35 hectares excuse me and in in that land project you know we get to see things grow much faster because it's the tropics and so everything's just like sped up so you start to eat from the land much faster you know, within a, a season, you're, you're eating from the land in a, in a different way than we are in temperate climates, you know, um, but there, we're also dealing with water in other ways, you know, it's like here, especially in Southern Europe, where, you know, desertification is happening, and fires are happening, um, you know, water is very scarce, and being shipped in from other countries, you know, that are, economically dependent on exporting their water. And in, in Costa Rica, for example, it's it's quite the opposite because we have so much water. And so it's like trying to figure out actually how to what to do with it and how to move it through our land and how to, you know, protect riversides and and coastlines and those types of things. So it's really it's interesting once you start working with land and, and if you do are if you are as fortunate as I am to be able to migrate like I do i get to experience different ecosystems and and how people relate and what personalities are even like and how they're really formed based on relationship with ecosystem which is quite beautiful and interesting and hard (laughs) all at the same time
0: Mm -hmm. i think that's so fascinating i think as well um at the moment i've the reason I feel culture is kind of waking up to the benefits of herbalism and permaculture is because um it comes back to it affecting their own ecosystem personally because I think when if we go back to the idea of a slow lifestyle which we can learn from nature and like society and culture has just taught us that everything should be fast and on demand and mass-produced for so long that I think our bodies have just become hyper-vigilant and overstimulated and that leads to burnout. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are getting burnout and realizing that their lifestyles aren't actually supporting their health and well-being. So I think for me personally as well, like the more I learn about herbalism and permaculture and just nature in general, the more it helps me to slow down and the more I slow down with the rhythms of nature, the more healthier I feel. Um, but like you said, it it is a process and it is, can be quite hard because it really just tests your patience.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It sure does. yeah. and I when I speak to people, I believe that like when, what can I do, you know, to to start to live more holistically? or what can I do to start to live a little bit more environmentally mindful? What can I do to you know have like a more balanced you know lifestyle? And it's some of the things that i I think are most important is actually seasonal living, you know, and living with the biorhythms of the land where you are and so it's you know in the capitalist model of continuous production you know we don't get time off and the time we get off is scheduled in certain seasons and a lot of times the scheduled seasons for time off is actually of high activity you know it's like summer vacation types of things when really maybe that that time off we needed like in winter when we can go into a really deep rest cycle and so our Many of our modern, you know, professions and everything and, and ways of being don't actually fall in line with the biorhythms of nature. It's like mm-hmm. you still have to wake up at 7 a.m. when it's dark out in the middle of winter to go to the job and, you know, and to be in climate controlled buildings and eating food that's shipped from around the world and out of season, you know, like eating strawberries or even you know, melons or certain fruits in the wintertime is very contradictory to what the body really wants in the wintertime, if you're living in colder temperate climates. Um, whereas like in the spring, there is naturally more activity and more excitement. And, you know, when I think of like the, the goal of capitalism, for example, is maximizing productivity, I feel like if they really got in line, you know, with with biorhythms, they'd probably actually be more successful and people wouldn't have burnout. (laughs) But it's not quite quite the case. You know, it's like that twenty-four hours a day access to information and having to answer your phone. And for how many of you out there listening, like when you're get an email, you feel or a message, you feel that urgency to respond right away. You know, and you and you remember maybe some of you listening and you know when, you know, it was like your phone would ring and you didn't know who was on the other line. (laughs) <laughs> you know or you could like mute the phone so it wouldn't even ring and you didn't even know you didn't even get your calls or if you were away you know doing something you had to figure out how to find each other and and stick with plans and, and those types of things and so I think the immediacy of tech is amazing you know it's why we're here right now and, and how you can communicate and inform yourselves but it also has a lot of limitations in giving us that sense of urgency which is Kind of false. It's like, what do we really need to be moving so fast? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I believe that being studying nature and getting outside and, and you know following the pattern of the sun, even with your sleep rhythms and your energetic rhythms, like is really important. You know, to to being able to live a a lifestyle that is fostering a form of wellness. You know, mental wellness, physical wellness, spiritual wellness, all all of it. Mm-hmm. I think is rooted in, in what's right outside our windows.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think as well, like, mm-hmm. do you think the sense of urgency that today's society culture has or gives us, um, mainly through technology and just lifestyle, how do you think that affects our body? Because I really feel like it dysregulates our nervous system um, mm-hmm. because if we're always feeling like oh I have to do this next um yeah our nervous system just becomes dysregulated mm-hmm. is that what you found?
1: Yeah. Nervous system as well as the endocrine system and your immune system like they're they're all very much connected and so many people are are running in a heightened uh, adrenal phase you know where your adrenal glands which are these little glands above your kidneys you know they're there specifically to release certain um, hormones that tell our bodies to reserve fat, such as cortisol, right? In times of potential starvation or flight, you know, and there's not going to be a lot of food. There's certain chemicals like um, adrenaline and epinephrine, which you know come in to give us like major lung capacity and ability to run for our lives, you know. But those same um, That same glandular system also is there to help us to go into deep rest and to pacify us into being, you know, uh, rest and relax phase. And so, like, what happens with these senses of urgency is that we're put into a fight or flight mode, fight, flight, or freeze, actually. And, And so our bodies are in this, like, agitated state, which is actually also communicating directly with the nervous system right? Via the hypothalamus, like our body, it's, it's the nervous system and the endocrine system are in this constant uh, communication back and forth with each other. And so when the endocrine system and the, the adrenal glands in particular, very excited, and also this comes from drinking coffee, um, they get very excited. And then the nervous system becomes overreactive. And then it just becomes a feedback loop that actually moves into an exhaustion phase. And you get so exhausted, it's seen as a threat to the body, which will then put you back into a fight or flight mode, right? Mm-hmm. We call that GAS, which is the general adaptation syndrome that people have. And then we're exhausted. so we drink coffee and coffee doesn't actually wake the mind up. It stimulates the adrenal glands to go back into fight or flight mode. And it becomes this really terrible cycle of overstimulation. And then also like as, um, You know, more ancient people, for example, when we had to fight or flight for ourselves, we actually got to burn out that adrenaline that was in our bodies. And now instead we're sitting in our vehicles, we're sitting behind our desk, or we're sitting on public transportation and feeling very agitated and not actually moving our bodies to release it. And so it stays very heightened in our bodies and through time does affect other uh, endocrine functions such as reproductive health, mental health, metabolism, you know, as well as uh, really lowers the function of our immune systems, Mm -hmm. you know, to fight off infections and diseases, cancerous cells, viruses, all the things like through time, you know, we become weaker and weaker. And um, yeah, just more susceptible to, to to rapid degeneration.
0: Mm -hmm i find it so fascinating like it's it it really is something like what you were saying about we go into this state of fight flight freeze um but we're not actually taking that action our bodies aren't taking the action so it's all we're storing it all inside of us um which obviously our bodies are um primal kind of instincts are to react and put that into action. But because we're not putting that into action, like you were saying, then we're just sitting at the desk or sitting on the train. Um, that's all that kind of feelings are stored in the body, which I think is why somatic experiences and yoga and things like this are really, really helpful to kind of release, release this as well.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's so, the best therapy, actually, before even taking, you know, herbs and supplements. Movement is mm-hmm. critical.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to ask you as well about some of the projects that you've worked on, because I know you've worked all over the world on some really interesting projects. You've worked Costa Rica, Portugal, Italy. And, um, I found you through the work that you were doing in Portugal. So can you just talk about that um prima culture project in Portugal a little bit about sure.
1: I had been hearing about Portugal for a while and I was like, well, oh, I wonder what's happening over there. You know, I was kind of curious, like to see. And I had really wanted, I started to dream for myself back in 2016, 17 about having a, <clears throat> a migration pattern. Um, I was really trying to see what other climates would be like, and also coming back home to Costa Rica and just making, you know, more connections for teaching and community. And so I had this sense of Portugal, and I was like, "Well, what's happening there? What's happening there?" And it took me a few years to get there, and what eventually brought me there was that I was seeking online, and this is one of the beauties of social media, right? I was looking at like the permaculture portugal hashtag and i found my teaching partner and very dear friend eduardo tercides and i found this person and they were very much in line with my personal philosophies on on permaculture is more than just you know regenerative land projects but also really looking at like what is the deeper meaning here for permaculturists as a social movement and i found eduardo and we i was sharing with him this idea I had of this class called Soul to Soil, which is helping to connect people back with with the roots and help them to really figure out what their personal niche is. Because so often we, you know, we're like, what's our purpose? What are we doing here? This and this and that. And, you know, and people feel very lost. And when we're children, we're asked, you know, who do we want to be when we grow up, or what do we want to do when we grow up? And, you know, it's a very Um, again, like exploitive capitalism perspective on child rearing. And so we've, we've had this like ingrained and so helping people to really see like, what is your true heart's desire? And what is your star? And like, what is your guiding light? And and what does that mean? And how can you also, you know, merge that into lifestyle and merge that possibly into creating a livelihood for yourself? And so when I found him uh, in Portugal in particular, I think that that's what was really calling me was to meet this person who, again, is a dear dear friend and and co-teacher and colleague. And so we developed this course, Soul to Soil, which is a 125-hour course. We actually just got done teaching it. I arrived back just a few days ago uh, from teaching that course in Portugal. And, and really lovely, you know, we go through... The all of the earth sciences that that the permaculture design course does contain as well as lots of different social exercises you know from learning about like authentic relating and grieving for the world and um you know looking at like what your personal gifts are and how does that fit in to to culture you know and and so in many ways we're trying to make a new culture that's not based on the need to just be highly productive all the time and it's a slow process you know when I see all of the tragedy in the world that feels so hopeless I look at those people and it just reminds me of also just the beauty of humanity and that there's so much goodness also happening um and and trying to like be informed and aware of the tragedies and also really you know keeping the hope that you know as in our projects in the work that we do is that like we're really trying to nurture for the future you know and it might not be the world that we get to see but it doesn't mean that we can't create something more beautiful for generations to come and and that's you know one of the my most passionate projects that i work on through education is is that keeping that seed of hope alive and that seed of action alive and that it does take more than just hope and prayer it takes like people physically doing the work you know whether it's growing food or whether it's tending you know to harmed bodies or whether it's working in political systems or whether it's teaching and you know or talking like we are today you know i think that that really keeps keeps that alive for for human beings just to yeah remember who who we are in relationship to this this big world out here you know to humble us a little bit and also empower us in there at the same time.
0: Yeah, I really love the name of that course, Soul to Soil, and also what you were saying about you're kind of planting seeds for the future as well. I think that's really potent because like nature, things take time. You plant your seed and then in the future, whether it's a year later, you see that blooming. So yeah it's so nice to think that what the work that you're doing now or the work that people want to start doing now is something that they can see for their future ahead of them as well so yeah
1: yeah and it helps to moderate a little bit that sense of urgency as well you know even though we do feel it and we're like oh but I want to be eating from you know these trees or I want to be doing this and this right now you know it's like it's just that's not that's just not how it, how it really is, you know? Yeah. And, and so it becomes, it becomes a pretty steady practice of trying to slow yourself down. And I, and I think some of the very first steps are actually not feeling the urgency to respond on your yeah. phones. Right. Away. Because look how, when we respond really fast, we also see, you know, we say things that, mm-hmm. you know, feeling at the time, but we don't actually want to say, and then we say it, you know, and, yeah. or are we, you know, that hyper-reactivity can, can be really, you know, harmful and mm. big and small, you know.
0: Yeah, I think like as well, as just more thought put into things. Things are more mm-hmm. thought process rather than react, reactional. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And more heart led, more soul led, which is, which is really lovely. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Thank you for joining me today. Um, Is there anything that you want to share with us, like any new projects that you've got coming up?
1: Yeah, and so for people who are interested in learning, um, a few different things. Um, I'm going to be having a series of classes in person in Costa Rica this year, as well as in Guatemala. So I, I work in Guatemala a few times a year as well. Uh, So in January, we're going to have a Green Witch Herbalism Immersion, which will be looking at our, you know, practical magic type of things, a lot of medicine making and prayer and ritual. Um, Then we're going to have an art and herbalism uh, workshop, which will be at my home in Costa Rica in February. And so making Mm -hmm. nature art with the plants. And it's just, it's so fun. That's amazing. Uh,